0: I heartily endorse this event or product.
1: Ahoy everybody and welcome to Talk to the Audience where this is always death. I am one of your hosts, the Steamy Awards presenter, Bob Mackey. And who is here with me as always?
0: Bell and Sebastian, old man fan, Henry Gilbert.
1: So if you're new to Talk to the Audience on this podcast, we talk about what's happening in the world of The Simpsons and in our world. And then we respond to your questions and comments from the last round of episodes. And if you're on the Patreon, this arrives at the end of the month. And if you're on the free feed, this arrives at the beginning of the month. And I have to announce, folks, it's finally happened. After a very long year, this is now our final podcast recording of 2023. It's happening. Woo. I looked up that sound effect on YouTube just for this uh, moment in time.
0: It was worth it. That was great. Yeah. Now, I, uh, it's it's been uh, a it's been another busy busy month to get ready for another uh, long break as we basically uh, seven weeks apart are both taking long trips to Japan. So now now it's my turn.
1: I was just thinking about it the other day, and I don't know how we still put out all of our podcasts uh, on time, because we we each took two two uh, two and a half weeks off kind of for Japan, for our Japan trips. And then we moved and we didn't record for six weeks. So it's kind of like we didn't record for two months-ish.
0: Wow. Yeah, when you put it yeah. that way, we did. And, and also, I mean, uh, before that six weeks off... Definitely me and you both took visits to our spouses as well. And like we kind of took like weeks here and there off, too. So it was a lot of a lot of time off uh, that we squeezed in there. Maybe that's why we felt it felt so busy when it wasn't time off this year.
1: Yeah, it's a, I'm looking forward to a much uh, more stable year next year. Uh, now that I we've both planted down our roots, the long-awaited moves to finally happen. listeners mm-hmm. are tired of hearing about it. I don't blame them. <laughs> I'm just happy to be where I am right now. Oh, I but guess February is going
0: to oh. be our first actual normal month again, because <laughs> <normal. laughs> January not normal.
1: January, uh, not normal. Bad start. No, actually a good start because we have a live show. We'll talk more about that later. But February, it's going to be uh, a steady eddy of a month. February, <laughs> looking forward to it. Simpsons News. Not a lot of Simpsons news, but I finally, I was a good little student, and I did my homework, and I watched the new episodes after I went to the gym this morning, and I must say it wasn't worth it.
0: (laughs) It's good gym. Oh, you mean after the gym. After,
1: when I was having my post-workout banana, having my coffee, (laughs) and watching them slowly perform uh, sexual favors on Taika YTT
0: yeah that's uh that's the rougher of the two i would say uh but though though both are heavily built around um guest stars too which is i think a negative on them i guess with the
1: so we can talk about them and what they're called and everything so we have i bonnie romance which is the uh I was, I was gonna say Show willie it's been a long year groundskeeper willie marriage episode where there's a brief bonding experience with bard and then he heads over to scotland and we have a lot of uh scottish guests on the show but they're not playing themselves correct except no, for no, they're Sebastian.
0: All, yeah they're, they're all there they're new characters and yeah so it's uh david tennant aka doctor who uh well one of the doctors uh, Karen Gillan, who was also on Doctor Who, but is uh, more famous as Nebula from the MCU movies, and uh, Paul Higgins, who's I think just like a Scottish guy in BBC stuff, and of course, Bell and Sebastian, uh, who made me feel hip until I, I think you did some scary math in the Discord <laughs> Bob.
1: <laughs> What was that scary math? It was, uh, was it a, did it involve you know what they would have been listening to 20 years ago? I forget what it's, it was. It's
0: that they are as old as the Larry Davis experience from the first episode of The Simpsons. Like, because the Larry Davis ah. experience was referencing 70s music, and now Bell and Sebastian is like 1999, 2000 indie music, which is also just as old as 70 mu- 70s music was in the 90s.
1: Hey, uh, they're appealing to the 40-year-olds in the audience, I guess.
0: Hey, and I but love Bell and Sebastian.
1: Th- this was this was the highlight. I got to say, uh, the second episode, Murder, She Boat, didn't care for it very much. Uh, Taika YTT, he's a bit overexposed, and I like some things he does. I, I hate him in things most of the time. He seems very obnoxious in these roles they're putting him in but it is a very uh a very kiss-assy role they've given him where it, it feels like the standard role they slot the guest star into if they really like them where it's like oh Mr. YTT you're just so prolific and talented and they're kind of smug about it in the end there's maybe like one mean joke about them but it's all in good fun and it's very tiring uh it was a very YTT worshiping episode but yeah. i must say The most offensive thing in this, and I hate to be joke police about one joke, but this joke went on for about 90 seconds. There is an extended parody of the Love Boat opening in a sitcom in the year 2023. That was so dated and overdone that The Simpsons wouldn't even do it in the 90s or the 2000s. But here, it's not just a tiny Love Boat reference, which Futurama did, to be fair. They had Isaac, the bartender on the the Mm -hmm. Titanic which was a tiny reference whatever it yeah. was cute. Here it's just an extended parody of the opening sequence. Who is this for? I got to say Michael Price, great guy. He's the writer of this episode. He's also 65 years old. So maybe yeah. that's where it's coming
0: from. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean the it's it's very it's it's very old stuff, especially when they're trying to be kind of current with some of their like movie references in it and all of the like MCU and Star Wars stuff that's in there, but then yes, a very long uh, love boat sequence that would be a parody like i was thinking like oh, south park did a whole opening of love boat parody for the catholic boat and at least it had a joke to be made about like you know the horrors of uh, the catholic molestation thing but that it was old then and that was over tw- uh that was 20 years ago now that the catholic boat bit <laughs> Uh, yeah, not but, the best you know, time for I, your
1: love boat reference. And then, and then at the end, sorry to interrupt, but at the end there's some other super super dated reference in the middle of this episode. I think I was so mad about it, I forgot. And then the it ends with a Titanic reference.
0: That also is very old too. Yes, they do. They do a Titanic reference. I and Takeaway TD is annoying. And I say that as somebody who loves the what we do in the shadows show and uh the our flag means death, but I am a little tired of him especially, but he is the character he's playing, I feel like they hedged of just like the joke is he's very in your face and always talking. And he's supposed to be the annoying, over-involved guest star bit they do, but it's still too much. And I mean, as you know, it the title and structure is also uh, sort of a parody of Murder, She Wrote. And spoilers, the episode follows the rules of Murder, She Wrote, where the most famous person is, hmm. uh, you know. The, who who did it?
1: I mean, I guess structurally, I liked it more than uh, I Bonnie Romance because this was a mystery. But the one thing I I might have talked about this on another episode, or maybe I just ranted to you when the when the things weren't rolling. But there is a whole thing in um the Scottish episode where it's a destination wedding, and then there's a very long and I apologize if I've uh, complained about this before, but there's a very long extended sequence where Homer. He hears they've been invited and then we cut in throughout the day as throughout the day he's complaining more and more to Marge about this destination wedding. And my own issue is we've talked about this on uh, especially in the teens episodes of The Simpsons. They're complaining about things that are not at all uh, relatable to regular people. Mm. So I feel like if you're a comedy writer living in LA. Sure, you probably get too many of these and they're annoying, but most people would welcome a free vacation. And it's weird that Homer would be a guy sick of destination weddings and very familiar with what happens on them. It doesn't seem right to me.
0: No, no, you're, you're totally right. It's very bougie complaints that Homer has for that long sequence. It is similar to what we've been going through in season 14 of like, the Simpsons go to a skybox. And it's like, well, come on now. Or they get free tickets to see something. And it's just, you know, in both of those season 14 episodes they have to make up an excuse for why that happens and they do the same here and it sucks that it's in both episodes back to back like in the to go to scotland they have to explain that they uh, had their credit card stolen that then got them a bunch of free miles that then they have got to keep and now they use it to go to scotland and now for this one in the in the boat trip it's like they discover that they never got their um that their checks for their government uh, surplus thing, COVID, they didn't actually get their their money. And so now they have, like, you know, $4,000. So then they go on a giant uh, cruise. And I'm just like, you keep having to make excuses for Simpsons to live beyond their means rather than write a story within their means. I liked in the Scottish episode that I thought it would end like that Burns episode earlier this season where, like, obviously the person he marries, they're not going to be married at the end of it, but he's still uh, – uh willie is still married at the end of the episode so i don't know how much we're going to be seeing that wife of his but he this is a successful wedding
1: yeah I, I wonder if this will be continuity all these characters are getting married like comic book guy and uh uh kirk is getting re well he was he was remarried like 17 years ago to be fair but oh, yeah uh, what
0: did you think of the of his wife calling him comic book guy gene they they say it twice in that episode Comic book guy Gene? Yes, it wasn't Guy but she like oh, over enunciated. Oh, yes. She's like crying and says, "My comic book guy Gene."
1: Yes, I, I, I forgot about that. Uh, I I don't know. I guess that's one that's one of the Japanese words that uh, a listener probably knows, but I, I don't know if this is a new thing she's doing or not.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it feels weirder. Again, it's good they cast an actual Japanese American in the part, but then. It seems like they're still writing her um, as shallowly as they did originally. Yeah, it's like the
1: these are just lines that would have been given to Tress.
0: Oh, yeah, and Bart did the Angry Dad story again. He wrote a comic that then comic book guy yeah. destroyed. I was like, wait, we you, you did this 20 years ago, Simpsons.
1: Yeah, it's uh, not a great month for The Simpsons, although there is another episode that will air on the 24th. We're recording this on the 22nd, so we have not seen uh, Do the Wrong Thing and according to the official description it's about uh homer and bart becoming kings of the blue collar sports circuit and marge suspecting something dishonest about their bond so mm. maybe that will pull the simpsons out of the toilet this month after two not so great episodes
0: it sounds like a parody of barstool sports or something i I'm, I'm scared we shall i guess I'm, I'm, we'll see I,
1: I just saw some promotional photos, and uh, that's all, or photos, drawings. Uh, the Simpsons are real, by the way, breaking news. They've been photographed. Uh, so let's move on to other Simpsons news. Uh, not a lot, so we had to really, uh, Henry really scraped the barrel here. And uh, this is worth reporting on because it's the holidays. Uh, writers are taking time off, so it's time to write a giant thing people can argue about for weeks. And that giant thing this time is uh, Variety's list of the 100 greatest TV shows of all time. And The Simpsons on this list is number four, coming in behind The Sopranos at number three, uh, Mad Men at number two, and I Love Lucy at number one. And I think fairly predictable. Although if you if you would have told me that I Love Lucy, uh, you know went went behind The Simpsons and Simpsons was number one, I'd believe that as well, just based mm. on sheer longevity of The Simpsons.
0: I feel like I chose you. The age of the people, of variety that they've that Simpsons is now old enough that they're that it can really climb up the ranks of variety. But there's still even older people there. It's like the sitcom begins and ends with Lucille Ball. Okay, where are you go yes. with that?
1: <laughs> then they put out their cigar and uh, and swirl their brandy. But I mean, this is an okay list. I just don't like how it's basically if anything ever aired on TV, it's on this list. Mm-hmm. So it's not the list of the greatest sitcoms. Or the greatest scripted shows because we have things like 60 Minutes on here. We have miniseries like Roots on here. I think it frankly is far too broad. And to reality be shows. Yeah, that too. I,
0: I mean, the reality shows being on there make you angry, made me angrier too. They're like, honestly, okay, if I could do what you're supposed to do, which is argue about things on it. Uh, I felt like Community being at number 100, it would have been more insulting to just leave it off because putting it 100 is them saying like, yeah, we know about Community. Fine, (laughs) it's 100.
1: I think it's 100 because it's the first thing you see when you click the article and you're like, oh, I I like Community. I want to read more. It does feel like strategically placed at 100. If it was something like... Uh, i don't know the white shadow or something sure. you'd be like i don't care about this or I, room 222 or whatever that james l brooks was oh yeah no i mean square, we, we square pegs something like that
0: we've we've been involved in the making of these lists too so we know how it works also and then uh, i you and i mean also it felt having mad men ahead of sopranos also surprised me too because i i would definitely reverse those but uh though my second biggest complaint was I believe Deadwood is number 73. I would put Deadwood in top 20 personally, but I get it. Again, this isn't my list. I get it. But uh, Simpsons being the second highest sitcom after Lucy, though. And hey, look, I do love Lucy, though. I had to put Honeymooners above it personally. I think that's just as big of an important sitcom. Hmm, hmm.
1: yeah i'm not sure where, where did that rank on this list you know that one i don't
0: know let's uh let's do a, a command f on this thing here oh boy all right you know what variety list bang zoom straight to the moon because i don't see honeymooners at all on this thing
1: wow wow okay wow, so mean. uh Gee. glaring omission we do not respect this list
0: though i think we did talk about roots i i will say i've been proven wrong on an older episode where i talked about how roots was like oh you don't talk you don't hear about it as much these days but on this very list roots is number 10 so i i was proven wrong roots still ranking very high on lists of best tv shows i think the
1: third highest scripted thing ever watched was the last episode of that or maybe it's seconds we we just covered this so, not too yeah. long ago on talking simpsons so Yes, that is the variety list. Check it out. Argue with your family over Christmas. It'll be fun. (laughs) And our friend of the show, Bill Oakley, uh, he had his sixth annual Steamy Awards this year. Always a good time. And we made an appearance in the... uh, I forget the official title. Was it Best Foreign Candy?
0: International Candy.
1: International Candy. So we were the presenters of the Best International Candy Award. So please check that out. I believe... uh, Where can people watch that? I know they were posted to Twitter, but there is a YouTube channel, correct?
0: yeah he has a personal youtube channel though I think he uh i I don't want to put words in his mouth but I bet bill would most prefer if you followed him on instagram because that's where he does the most of his posts and you can watch the videos in full on there as well but he but yes he has a youtube page uh, Instagram is what he links to when he when he posts the videos on twitter and yeah we were uh it we it was a great pick for us too because uh, of our in, our own international podcast position so and he yes, had to see I felt too all dressed up too.
1: And I found two of the candies here in Canada, and they are both delicious. I'm saving my chunky Kit Kat drumstick for the holidays.
0: Mm, And it does sound very tasty. I Bill. It doesn't taste like drumsticks, but -hmm. it
1: does taste like the ice frozen ice cream confection drumstick. By the way, in case you're wondering, we we were confused at first.
0: And we're on there with several pals as well, like uh, the 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 presenters right before us. Uh, were Will Benneker from Chapo Trap House with Felix, who Will's done the show. And then before that also was, was Nick and Mitch from Doughboys, also mm-hmm. our pals. So Bill has good taste in podcasters.
1: All of the stars came out to shine, and also we did as well. <laughs> so moving on to more Bill Oakley-related news, he is having more Mission Hill live shows to celebrate the 25th anniversary next year. So please check those out. I believe he's posted the dates to Twitter, but I assume there will be more promotion as, uh, you know, we get closer to the shows, but I did notice he's not performing in the cities we live in. Is Bill Oakley avoiding us? Stay tuned to find out.
0: I'm going to have to go to like Portland to go to the nearest show to see, to see Bill and Josh. Yeah, it's, I, I think they're not trying to repeat cities, maybe because I don't think they did San Francisco before, and now they are doing San Francisco, and it's a lot more East Coast and South, Day, uh, South America or the southern states of America, <laughs> not, not, not like Buenos Aires. Bill
1: Oakley will be in Argentina, where <laughs> yes. Mission Hill never aired.
0: But yeah, Bill and Josh, I saw them uh, for their big Seattle show. It was really good. If you like this podcast, you will really enjoy the presentation they have of Mission Hill uh, classics and all the, the fun information and Q&As they do are are really great. And our final bit of news: if you live in America,
1: Hulu and Disney Plus have been integrated if you pay for both. So you're going to be seeing a lot of really weird things. That, frankly, I'm used to having lived in Canada because all of the things are just on Disney+. Plus. But mm-hmm. now it's new for you Americans. And I'm sure, uh, I guess you're seeing Rick and Morty next to, like, uh, Mickey's holiday extravaganza or something.
0: Yes, yeah. It's, uh, Hulu has so many things on it. But now you can watch King of the Hill, Family Guy, and Futurama on the app as well uh, on Disney+, Plus if you're a Hulu subscriber, in addition, which I am. Uh, and the, But the weirdest thing is that, yes... They got all of these Warner properties on Hulu. So now, as our pal Ian jones Courty pointed out, you can't watch OKKO OK Let's Be Heroes anymore on Max. But you can watch it on Disney Plus if you got Hulu.
1: <laughs> well, soon it'll become Warner Mount or whatever they're doing now. Oh, I'm, that's going to yeah. get
0: even. Yeah, that's late breaking news, I guess, that it is looking like. I would bet it will happen because things are that awful but uh the it is the process has begun for Warner to absorb Paramount Warner's the bigger company so they will stay in charge likely in this scenario they will like merge and become one thing so if you thought that this is already too monopolized of companies here is there's about to be one fewer one of them <laughs> very soon
1: all I got to say is yo ho yo ho that's my future
0: like Zaslov will be in charge of Comedy Central and Nickelodeon and MTV so if you think like if you like those things and what's done on those those won't exist anymore or Showtime also like well there won't be a Showtime anymore it's uh he's,
1: he's really this century's greatest monster of entertainment yeah <laughs> so that's what's happening in Simpsons News and related uh spheres let's talk about our news uh and let's talk about our January schedule so uh, for What A Cartoon, as usual in January, we're taking that month off. We're taking a week off to have a little break for ourselves. And we're, we've built up some content to post in the meantime. So everybody uh, who has not heard the podcast about The Incredibles, the six-hour podcast, that will be made available to you the week What A Cartoon goes live in January. So we get the entire podcast the entire what a cartoon movie podcast about that as our little treat for you while we take some time off and yes the week off will be the first week of the month if you are on the patreon and the second week of the month if you are on the free feed so just keep that in mind but People in the free feed, we've dropped some little presents in your stocking that will keep you busy for that week and maybe give you the incentive to sign up. You might get to hear some things that the patrons here uh, that you're missing out on, buddy.
0: So, yeah, if you've just joined us this year, maybe you don't know that every January we release uh, in place of a regular episode, a cra- classic crusty of, uh But of us, our our What a Cartoon Movie, which we work super hard on those every month, all year long. And Incredibles is, I think, a really great one to give a listen to because uh, it's very related to The Simpsons. It has a lot of very Simpson-style comedy in it, and we've talked about Brad Bird and his relationship to The Simpsons quite a lot. If you go back in your free feed for Talking Simpsons, you'll see the uh, Iron Giant episode as well. So uh, they're they're a really good combo. If you haven't listened to either of those, and again. We both work so hard on those movie podcasts. I, I you you're basically missing like three extra podcasts we do in a month by not listening <laughs> to those.
1: We're really proud of them. So yeah, please check it out. and if you haven't signed up, maybe you'll get a little taste of what the uh, the treasures of Patreon will give you. Mm. So that's what a cartoon taking that uh, month off in terms of the regular episode. But let's talk about what's happening on the Patreon. If you're a patron for $5 uh, at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons, we have Talking Futurama, the Farnsworth Parabox, a very great, very high concept episode as we are arriving at the end of the Fox run. Uh, We've got a few more and then some other things in store. So you're going to want to stay tuned for those. But for the moment, having a lot of fun with the end of Futurama in giant quotes, because then it started two more times and you know what happened
0: and uh yeah that talking futurama episode is about the very novel idea of a multiverse have you heard of these things folks (laughs)
1: they're pretty big these days but it (laughs) took about 15 years for that to catch on so that is uh talking futurama and then on talking of the hill we have slight of hank a great episode where hank is mad that he can't figure out how a magic trick is performed and it nearly rents the family in twain So, uh, it's, it's a very small episode that's very character based and we had a lot of fun talking about it and magic.
0: Oh yeah. It's, it's not an illusion. The fun you'll have listening to that podcast
1: and also for the month of January, the, what a cartoon movie for subscribers at the $10 and up level. We are covering Disney's Bambi. So for the past two years, we've done uh, one very classic Disney movie a year. We did Pinocchio. We covered Dumbo. And to start off the new year, we'll be covering Bambi, which I believe comes right after Dumbo or Pinocchio. There's an order here that makes sense to me. But it is uh, a classic film. It was what traumatized uh, children before Mufasa died. So we're going to look into that. And I'm going to read the original book, which I assume is not very long.
0: Yeah the uh the Bambi's mom jokes in the Simpsons will finally make more sense to us as we deconstruct all of it. <laughs> and, um, no I am I love I I love that uh that one too like uh, one of my favorite songs as a little kid growing up like very little my mom would play the April showers song from Bambi over and over mm. again on a tape. It was one of my favorite drip drip drop well, the April
1: showers. Much like Pinocchio, much like Dumbo, I have never seen this movie. So I'll be going in fresh. Well, Spoilers. Well. Don't spoil me on whose who's mother might die. I don't know yet. <laughs> uh, so that's what's happening in the month of January. And also in the month of January, we have a live show happening on January 24th at 7.30 p.m. at the Gateway Theater in San Francisco. So there are more details to come on this and in the new year we'll be putting together a post and a little commercial for you to remind you of where to be how to buy tickets and etc so this will be our fifth year uh in a row at Sketchfest. i'm saying in a row because we've performed uh, all the possible years we could five times
0: yeah (laughs) from from 2018 to to 2024 we've performed five times (laughs) yeah uh
1: the, the math checks out on that but we're really excited to do it. Uh, I, we're going to be loving to go back to the Bay Area where we 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 betrayed it. We we turned our backs on it, but now I'm sure they'll welcome us with open arms.
0: It'll be great to go back as visitors and experience it again. But yeah, it's uh, we're at the Gateway Theater in San Francisco, 7:30 p.m. on Wednesday, January 24th. Gateway Theater is where we did our uh 2019 show if you were at that one it's uh it's a very nice theater uh i'd be i'm really looking forward for us to to go back into it and uh we can't announce it yet but uh we have a cool guest uh we have we the guests are looking good i'll just say mm-hmm. that
1: absolutely so stay tuned for that another live show in our future so now It's time for us to talk about what we've been playing and watching that's not related to podcasting. And I've got a few things, because in the month of December, I finished three whole video games that were all very good. Uh, Super Mario Wonder. Henry and I just talked about that for 90 minutes, uh, the previous podcast recording. So stay tuned to Retrodots at the end of January. Obviously, we both loved it. We both think it's the best 2D Mario game since Yoshi's Island. If you haven't played it, you got to play it. It's so good. Uh, It it did not disappoint in any way, and we talked about it for 90 minutes, and you'll hear that uh, much later. So that's that. I also finished the Super Mario RPG remake. A a tidy 15-hour game, rather. Uh, And I like how literal the remake was. It's just like, let's take all of these things, make them more presentable to the audience, and basically leave everything else untouched for the most part. And I had a really great time reliving that game with graphics that weren't completely dated to the era of pre-rendered 16-bit stuff. So I know, Henry, that's going to be in your future. Mm-hmm. And as someone who's played this game like a dozen times or more through the original, I had a blast uh, doing it again. And everything, it just moves much faster. It's much prettier. The soundtrack is been touched up in a very nice way. So yeah, really recommend this one as well.
0: I liked what I've seen online from of, of people, uh, and you included, showing how like, oh, this this silly joke that you thought maybe current Nintendo wouldn't be as into because it's, you know, a weird little gag or it also kind of breaks the reality of, of Mario or whatever. They kept it in there and just the that the weird little shapes of Mario that he makes in his like basically him as a silent film star. Mm-hmm. I, I love that they kept so much of that in there.
1: Mario doesn't speak once in terms of uh you know voice dialogue, which I, I love to hear uh, or not hear rather. Yeah. <laughs> and I also finished the Resident Evil Four remake. That was amazing. It's a it's a bit of an older game now. It came out like I think winter of 2023, but it took me a while to get around to. I love the original. This is kind of the opposite of the Mario RPG remake, And it is taking the idea of Resident Evil Four, but thinking like how can we make this as a modern game? And they basically did that. And I think it was very good. Uh, Capcom's been on a real roll lately with these Resident Evil remakes. Now we're getting to the games that aren't very good Mm. or or, are kind of lesser. Like, 5 is is fine. 6, I think, is a bad game. I wonder if they're going to touch these. But if anything, they can make them better. I hated 6. And I I played all, I don't know, 50 hours of that too long game.
0: I could only do 20 hours of 6. It was like, yeah, it was like they just made three games that were called Resident Evil 6 and glued them together. Like, it was... Uh, but Resident Evil 5, that'll be interesting if they do remake it, because I do remember enjoying it, but also like it, To ha- what an innocent time it was, what, 15 years ago or whatever when it got announced, and that was the first, it felt like one of the first times that I could remember seeing games journalists say, hey, isn't this kind of problematic, this trip to Africa, and they, they adjusted it before the game came out, but uh, I I feel like they'll have to make more adjustments when the game comes were were they to remake it.
1: Yeah, it would be a good game to remake uh, spiritually with with a modern eye. And yeah, talking about like the racism in the game and everything, that was really when in in the innocent year of 2008, I thought, oh, I I think gamers might have this unaddressed problem with racism. <laughs> and uh that that certainly won't uh you know bubble up to the surface and by 2014 let's just forget about that let's put it to the wayside
0: but i, but yeah. I gotta play that four remake though i four is my favorite resident evil as uh, like you know duh it's most people's favorite but i really i did i played a bit of the two remake but not three so i'm curious uh the four remake does sound really great
1: four is so so good and it's actually pretty long like resident Evil four, the original surprisingly long this one is, is just as long. Uh, it, it even cuts some stuff out of 4 that actually is reinterpreted through the Ada Wong uh, DLC, which people really ah. love. That came out uh, in the fall as well. So, uh, yes, had a great time. I love finishing video games. It's a fun thing. People should try it. And uh, <laughs> I think up next on my agenda, my wife played through Disco Elysium a few times last year, and she, she's telling me that I'll love it. She wants to talk to me about it. So that's the next thing that I'm starting is uh, Disco Elysium. Uh, a great, fun little RPG that uh, uh, I can't wait to talk more about it on these podcasts and to talk to my wife about it. And also, because I did this little thing called Moving Across the Country, I didn't play any Pikmin 4 in my entire life. And that's next on my agenda with Disco Elysium. I played the demo of Pikmin 4 And then it was time to pack all of my shit together and do all of the things I needed to do to get to where I am now. So that was put on the back burner for far too long, and I can't wait to touch it. And I'm not even going to continue where I left off with the demo. I'm just going to start a new game because I've forgotten everything so far. But can't wait to do Pikmin 4.
0: You got the costume in Pikmin Bloom for beating the demo. I saw that. Yes. But yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, and also
1: Alan Wake too. I know you love it, Henry. You got all the achievements. It's it's been winning awards. It won a BAFTA. Yes. And, and you know yeah. some game awards things, but those aren't real. Nope. And uh, I'm hearing great things about it. And I got a free copy with my new gaming PC. So it's Wait, been waiting yeah. on uh, the Epic Game Store for me, waiting for me to play. And uh, I'm very curious as to see what uh, what it does. So yeah, yeah. I,
0: I'll I'll say again if you never if you didn't play the first Alan Wake. You should at least watch a, you know, uh, the Sam Lake, the director of the game did a 15 minute, li- uh, recap of it, uh, that covers everything you need to know before starting the game, because, uh, it'll, it'll definitely make Alan Wake 2 a lot better if you, you have that information. But yeah, Pikmin 4, as, as I was making a list, my games of the year top 10, Pikmin 4 is very high for me. Cause it really is like, I, I was just saying it to a friend last night that, it makes every other Pikmin game feel like practice for this Pikmin game. This is the first mm. true Pikmin game and the what they always should have been. It's it's well, so good.
1: Miyamoto better stay alive. That's all I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> I need more of these in my life. So as for watching stuff, as for TV, I finished the first season of Chainsaw Man. I really loved it. It's about time that anime can uh, have really fucked up great animation with violence and gore and everything you want uh, from anime, or at least in the olden days. It's It's, it's a nice... Revisit to that time where you could, you know, pop into VHS and tell your friend, look, check this out. You won't believe what happens next. <laughs> it's fucked and, uh, up, man. I recommend it, Henry. It's it's very dark. It's very uh, well animated, but also reminds me a bit of Evangelion because we have these uh, these massive threats affecting society and the people tasked with uh, fighting them are just giant dumbasses with mm. uh, that are frankly too powerful.
0: I like that. I... Ah boy, it's hard to I I've had one Shonen Jump thing in on my front burner for so long. It's hard to hard to think of other Shonen uh, SJ things uh, in in its place.
1: And I hear what uh, uh this is just in from uh, from the wife wire. She told me about this, but apparently they're doing what they did with Demon Slayer in that they're not doing a second season of the anime. They're doing a movie that adapts an entire arc. And then later they will make that into individual episodes. Uh, and uh, so I, I'm prepared for that to be the new number one movie of all time in Japan. Whatever they do. The Chainsaw Man movie.
0: I guess it made a trillion dollars to Demon Slayer. So that'll probably be it for like everything then from now on.
1: <laughs> yes. That that feels like the approach uh, they're going to be taking from now on. So. The Chainsaw Man, I'm keeping up with Spy Family, uh, enjoying that. Uh, I'm also doing a One Piece Journey. I, I left off in like 2018, and I've been doing anime and manga, you know, keeping up with both uh, at the same level. And right now in the anime and in the manga, I'm on the Thriller Bark Saga, which I really like because it's Spooky Town. And it's just an excuse for the manga creator to have all these weird designs. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm enjoying that a lot.
0: There's some Thriller Bark haters in the One Piece community I've seen that they feel like it's not. I feel like every I think people have this dumb idea of like if it's not directly involving the main thing that is the point of the series. And it it all feels like, oh, this is like you're wasting my time. Get back to the main story. But Thriller Bark is a great time. That's where they get Brooke. You know, people said that
1: about the Davey Back arc, mm. and I thought that was great. It's like a little Laugh Olympics with the One Piece characters.
0: Davey Back, I love Davey Back. It's so funny. It's so oh. great. I love that Count Chocula goofball.
1: That made me think of the thing that they referenced on the uh, Murder, She-Boat episode of The Simpsons that also made me mad. It was, it was Wacky Races. Oh, it right. It was Wacky Races, but it was starring Sideshow Mel as Dick Dastardly.
0: And it and then it was a fury it was fury road meets uh, wacky races, which like sorry, that's almost a decade old mm-hmm. like that's not fresh either,
1: okay I, I'm no longer mad now, I just wanted to bring that up <laughs> and uh yeah, all the TV's been great uh, uh TV what a concept also. I watched 18 movies this month somehow because my wife and I are really ramping up the holiday movie watching. So, yeah, I finally saw The Holdovers. Uh, I'm liking it the more the more I think about it. But I came out of it uh, very happy with what I saw. I think we might have talked about that before. I can't remember. I think it's, yeah, I watched it last month. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I had seen it then, but I think we talked about it on another podcast. We recorded uh, – spoilers. We recorded all of January's podcasts already. Yeah. So <laughs> I can't remember what I said and when. But – I saw a little movie about a guy named Boy and his friend the Heron, and I thought it was incredibly mid. Um, Did not care for it at all, and I want to know what people like about it because, you know, obviously, glorious animation, uh, just fantastic spectacle in front of you. But I feel like Miyazaki failed these animators by writing another bad, poorly planned story that is, frankly, I won't even say borderline incoherent. At times, it is just very incoherent. And I know it's a big allegory about him. And all I got to say is, don't make people do all that work to tell a story about you. You're not that interesting.
0: But he's the only guy who gets to make those things. Like, he's nobody. If it wasn't, uh, if it was a different director, they wouldn't get the money to do it. I Well, okay. Uh, I also saw Boy in the Heron. I I think... I definitely liked it more than you, though. I, it's not like my favorite Miyazaki film, though. Oh, I,
1: I know I'm the odd man out. I'm seeing these letterbox reviews from people who aren't me, and they're all like four point five and five, and I'm I'm sitting at a three.
0: Mm-hmm. But well, okay. I saw Ponyo and um, The Wind Rises this year, like back to back, and so those were his last two uh, films he did, and those I liked less than I remembered, especially Wind Rises. I was like. Man, this is kind of slow. Like, this is, and it, and so compared to Wind Rises, this felt like a better return to form of like, this is much more of like, he got, a, got, a boy goes to a magical world. Who would have thought? But this, but I, I like the, I mean, the heron's a fun guy. I love that guy. I wish he was in it more. Yeah. I mean, there
1: were things to like. I, I like the parakeet kingdom. Uh, the cannibal parakeets were very funny. You know, there, mm-hmm. there are things to like, but it never came together as a whole. It just felt to me, the the back, I don't know, seventy percent of the movie felt like a less successful uh spirited away. That's what it felt oh, yeah. like to me. Like nothing came together for me. I, I saw people coming out of it thinking like, oh, I'm gonna have to think about this one for a while. And in my head I was just thinking, I'm not to insult these people, but it's not that you're stupid or anything. It just it it wasn't done very well. Mm-hmm. This is this is not this movie is not challenging you. I just felt like I was there, I was paying attention, I was going in with an open mind. And uh, you know, earlier I, I've I've thought you know Miyazaki just needs help with his storytelling. At this point, I just think he's kind of bad at it, and he's well, failing all the people he's making do all this work at the at the command of uh, under the instructions of please illustrate this very bad story I'm trying to tell.
0: Well, okay, I think another issue, uh, and this is slight sport if you want to know nothing about the plot uh this isn't going to say the ending but he really loves he's uh, the older he gets the even more he is into this theme of the old master who wants to let somebody else inherit it or what's going to happen after i'm dead all these kinds of ways of thinking and i feel like that just comes about because he refused he had There's a 20-year period of like, now's the time you're training the next person, but every person he hired to train is the next guy. They simply could not work with him. He was impossible to work with. So then when you see these movies that have the, and and Wind Rises, and Ponyo also kind of have this too, where there's an esoteric weirdo guy at the center of a creative project, and everybody's like, boy, you're hard to work with. And he's like, well, somebody will come after me. And The more I know about Miyazaki's life, I just want to scream at this at the movie to be like, but you didn't like that. Oh, that why are you so old and you can't find your inheritor? Because you refuse the inheritor. You didn't let them do something.
1: It's just really weird to to me that he makes an entire staff animate scenes about these things. Mm -hmm. It just feels kind of cruel to me.
0: But the craft on display is incredible. Also, I mean, have you ever seen bird shit drawn better, Bob? I mean, that was great. I can't tell if he hates birds, though. I mean, mm. yeah, I did enjoy all the birds.
1: Some of the spectacle I did like, but I, I just I have to come to terms with it. I, I don't like his kind of storytelling, and that's just where I'm coming from. Uh, uh, I, w- I won't even say it's untraditional. It just It doesn't work. I, I feel like th- that's not something he's focused on. He's an artist first and foremost, and I feel like they he just has too much seniority and power and status for anyone to ever challenge his ideas i mean we shouldn't have an 82 year old person as president we shouldn't have an 82 year old person directing a animated feature
0: your your wife said it in her letterbox very well nina said you know somebody should tell him he's allowed to retire but he doesn't he doesn't want to but yeah
1: and i'm gonna say it's okay if you like this I've already laid out my issues with the storytelling. I I just wish this animation could serve a much better story because uh, people are working so hard to make this look so good. It's it's their most expensive movie they've made uh, based on what I've been hearing.
0: Yeah, I think, um, you know, if you compare it to the la- over 20 years of his films now, I definitely can't. I'd say with Spirited Away, Howl's Moving Castle, Ponyo, Wind Rises and this all. Because he does not write a script or a full proposal to be approved, he just boards it and thinks of the story and makes adjustments as he goes. All of those, if you think of the last 10 minutes of all those, they all are like a mad dash of like like some character will say, well, now we have to do this because we have to It's just a dump of information to say for resolution. And I feel the more I learn about his productions, I think it's like it's Suzuki, his producer saying... You didn't resolve these things. We're on the last five minutes. You have to have some character say what happened.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, I won't say it feels unfinished because it's a long movie, but, uh, and this is no spoilers, by the way. The final scene is so abrupt. When the credits started running, I assumed there was a mistake in the file that we were watching, but no, it's just how the movie ends. And if any movie needs the Studio Ghibli style epilogue where you see little snippets of the characters' lives after what happened, it's this movie. Mm -hmm. But the movie just slams the door kind of in your face, and then you're just, I just felt, uh, I don't know, it wasn't a good time for me. I was able to turn my brain off and just watch pretty things. Understanding, I won't know what any of the significance of this is, but that's fine. But I, I demand a little more, and maybe the studio can continue with stories told by someone else. I-, I really hope it does.
0: I, I, my last thought. I just want to see. I'm going to watch it a second time, uh, probably in January, with the English language edition, just to see if there's some things that might be clearer or at the very least I could not be reading the bottom of the screen the whole time and, and even more soak in the best thing about the movie, which is the animation craft on screen. You know, I was, uh, I don't want to, uh,
1: you know, predict how you'll feel Henry, but I was scouring letterbox reviews because I, I didn't want to be negative about this movie. And I just wanted to say, you know, prove me wrong. What am I missing here? And someone wrote a review where they saw the dub and they assumed, oh, this will make more sense now. And to them, it didn't. I'm not saying the same thing will happen mm. to you, but I'm curious as to what you'll walk away with having seen the dub. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So again, this is the the Miyazaki slandering corner has ended, and I apologize <laughs> if you were offended by that. This is how I feel. I also saw new on Netflix. Nobody's talking about it. Is uh, Chicken Run: Dawn of the Nuggets? Have Have you seen this yet, Henry?
0: No. I it it appeared last weekend, but really, the, yeah. This. This last week has just been so busy for, for my husband and I for getting everything ready job-wise and packing-wise for our trip. That I understand. I, when, I, when I pulled up Netflix and said, hey, we can watch this, he's like, we have to do this and this and this. I was like, "Yeah, you're right. <laughs>
1: It's you know what it's merely okay and it made me realize oh the chicken run characters only really had one story to tell I mean I had fun for the most part but it was lacking this sounds very weird talking about chicken run it's lacking the emotional depth of chicken <laughs> run which when I bet, went back to that movie it was so surprising where the, the characters have all these secrets and there are all these big turns and revelations and things like that the characters as we knew them in the first movie are essentially static. Which makes the movie not as fun. And they realize there's not much to do with these characters who've all gone through their arcs. So the back hour of the movie is this big heist. And it frankly, too much of the movie is devoted to that. I preferred in Chicken Run 1, where there were multiple attempts. And then there's one big set piece at the end here. It's just the the second and third act are the set piece. And I think that's because they didn't know what to do with the characters. Um, you know, glorious clay animation by Aardman, but kind of like with The Wind rise not The Wind Rises, uh, Boy in the Hair. And I thought, oh, I wish they were working very hard on a better script. These <laughs> well, animators.
0: I, I, I hope the uh, this doesn't portend poorly for the, the Wallace and Gromit movie that I think is what, next year, right?
1: Yes. I mean, I feel like those characters obviously have more than one story to tell. I think they can be slotted into different stories. Chicken Run, they got their freedom, and I feel like that's the last time we should have seen them.
0: It sounds like one of the Ocean's 11 sequels that, like, we're, well, we're stealing another thing, or it's like yeah. another one of these.
1: They work hard, but they really can't justify it. And I saw Batman Returns in the Theater. It was great. Uh, number one Batman movie. Uh, I've, I, I just, I love that movie more every time I see it
0: it's uh now I need to this has been a year I didn't watch it but I, I did watch another similar thing uh, I'll talk about in my section yeah I went like 25 years without
1: watching this movie maybe even longer and then I think in Christmas of 2020 I wanted to watch it again for Christmas and then I fell in love with it again and I think I've watched it a few more times since but yeah uh controversial sequel at the time but I think it's really held up so check out Batman Returns. If you still have time this holiday season and it's running out. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's a great
0: boxing day viewing. <laughs> yes.
1: Uh so my last thing is uh January is very busy and I rarely do this, but I picked up a non podcasting work assignment that will take me to New York City New for York a few York days. City. Exactly. <laughs> and no one will be lassoing me away, don't worry. <laughs> Uh, but since I'm there in town and I have an extra day, I did already buy tickets to see Back to the Future, the musical on Broadway. Wow. So that's where I'll be headed uh, in mid-January. And I've never been in a Broadway audience like Marge. It's always been my dream.
0: That's oh, that's adorable. Yeah, no, I uh, I've, I've, it, it looks fun from the uh, the little bit they performed on the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade uh, that I saw. So I, I, I'm looking forward to hearing your reviews back from it, Bob. Yeah, I mean that is the series, the movie
1: series. I am the biggest fan of uh, that. That outranks all my other movie style fandoms. So, I, I had to see it. I've been following the news of the of the show for a while. I, I'm completely ignorant about the the songs or the or the how the plot goes or whatever. But yeah, I want to be there and just take it all in uh, with fresh eyes. So I will report back in uh, for next month, I guess. Yeah, but that's well, it for me.
0: So uh for my month of December, yes, very we were both very busy and I, I am about to 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 fly to Tokyo in about uh eighteen hours from this recording. But um uh but yeah, so uh speaking of Japanese things, I fully played Like a Dragon Gaiden or the man who erased his name, the uh the new spin-off uh that or Interquill maybe you could call it. Uh, uh, And it's really, really good. If you've got Game Pass, it's included in Game Pass. It flew right by. Um, uh, compared to a, a regular Yakuza Like a Dragon RGG game, it is it is like 10% of one of those, or maybe 15%. But you can squeeze every minute out of it. I, I like that. Uh, I, I've had that for a
1: while. I don't have Game Pass, but I bought it when it was new to support the brand because I like what they're doing, and uh, that could be a holiday thing for me, too. I, I, I like the digestible Yoxa because, uh, like a dragon, uh, Yoxa's eight, seven? Is this, was it seven? Eight, it's eight. Infinite wealth, oh. so it's uh, oh. eight sideways. But the last one was seven, right?
0: Seven was the last one, yes, yeah.
1: That was a pandemic release, and I played that for 100 hours. Me too. Um, <laughs> oh, I don't yeah. have that time now, so a nice little digestible Yoxa would be great
0: it's a great adventure with Kazuya. Uh, it also has a wonderful ending, uh, that's worth getting to. And the side missions are good though. The, it lacks a good host mini game. That's the one thing it's, it's really missing, but mainly it's just like, Hey, remember these areas? Well, we slightly updated them and made one actual new area and, uh, you don't have to play, uh, uh, Shogi or Go or uh, <laughs> Thank um, God. Koi Koi if you don't want to. <laughs> I don't
1: have to learn the rules of 20 dice games. Now, you yeah. mentioned the host segment, the host, uh, mini games. They do exist, but they're full motion video. And I personally find that delightful. I'm looking forward to trying those out and assuring my wife I'm not watching porn as <laughs> I do it.
0: You're just pretending to talk to a girl in a low-cut dress. That's all. Yes.
1: <laughs> I got I to gotta get these achievements and the, the whatever, the exclusive weapons I get for maxing out my friend meter.
0: Uh, but also after doing all of the um, the turn based combat of the last one, getting back to punching people as Kiryu was was a fun, fun new thing. Well, or uh, it was a return to form that I really enjoyed. So, yeah. And also, like, I guess it depends how attached you are to Kiryu's character and how long you've stuck around with him, because there's a whole lot of fan service just for that of like. Hey remember this thing well we brought it back or he's meeting this character who hasn't seen since like the fourth game or whatever. Also uh I played a little bit of Baldur's Gate 3 but it's so huge that we're uh it's a co-op game for my husband and I. We played 4 hours of it and then we're like this is going to have to wait till after we come back but it really does feel like playing a tabletop role playing game. Like, it actually amazes me in that way with the amount of things you can do in it. It's, it's, uh, and though also if people just bought it because it's like we bought it and started it because it's on Xbox now and that's what I was waiting to play it on. But other people who are waiting or who played it before, you're just going to bounce right off it because it does not it's not nice like a Mass Effect game even. It's hmm. just like, no, this you are you better know D&D because it's like, yeah, this is how turns work, this is how initiative works, this is how all this stuff works. You gotta know that stuff.
1: It's, so it's like old school Baldur's Gate, but with a, a new presentation. No, I've heard really good things about it. I'm furious because this is the year I moved, <laughs> and uh, it took away so much of my time, and then all of these 9,000 hour games came out like Tears of the Kingdom and Baldur's Gate 3, and and so many others, and uh, I, I, I wish there were time. There was time. Maybe in the future, I do want to try this, because I bounced off the other Baldur's Gates, but they were more antiquated. I was not used to playing that kind of a game. I feel like I could really get into this, but there's five other 100-hour games that are coming first, frankly. It
0: might be a good one uh, for spouse play as well, just like... Mm. Ooh, uh, spouse for... play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also, to get ready for our trip, I have been playing, uh, playing a lot of Duolingo, but I'm at 100 in... 39 day streak and almost done with unit six uh no unit seven almost done with unit seven so very nice and uh as for watching it was mainly a movie month for me as well so boy in the heron talked about that i also saw godzilla minus one in theaters uh which is really really good though i am also i feel like a stinker uh, uh like you do bob with boy in the heron where i've seen people say like wow it's such a great film about like World War Two in Japan, thinking about its place in that and, and overcoming, you know, the shame of losing the war, all that stuff. And it's, it is very inventive that the concept is, it's called Minus One because original Godzilla comes out in 54. And so this movie is mainly set in 1947. So it's like, what if Godzilla showed up earlier uh, and destroys Tokyo right after it's slowly rebuilding? Uh, but I do feel like I've seen, I think Shin Godzilla was a better uh, symbolic Exploration of difficult topics in Shin Godzilla was more a reaction to the um the 20 uh the March uh, 2011 earthquake uh Mm -hmm. 311 tsunami and everything, yeah, yeah. So, minus one, meanwhile, again, if you if you like minus one and you want to watch other really great movies from Japanese creators that reflect on the war and what Japan rebuilds after world war ii i would definitely say watch kohn ishikawa's fires on the plains and the harp of burma or the burmese harp it goes by two names they're both on the criterion channel right now uh he was a director who made them in the 50s who he has a very realistic look back on what it was like to survive the war and react to it and and also it my biggest complaint with godzilla minus one is that unlike those films i don't think it deals enough with what Japan Japan's own actions in the war it's more just about feeling bad that they uh, it's yeah. more survivors guilt than reacting to hey we invaded these countries and we were bad that kind of thing.
1: I had I had similar issues with uh, Boy and the Heron and they're really highlighted by a uh, Letterboxd review that I wish I remembered who wrote it but I think I did like it so if you go to my review you can see which ones I liked. but they pointed out like a lot of the this is taking place in like fascist era of Japan. But the the son is like a privileged boy uh, of the like war economy who gets to go live on this secluded estate. It's it's very, very privileged perspective. The, the titular mm. boy. Maybe that's what, that could be why he's so boring. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, I, I guess I guess his, I mean, this happens in the first five minutes, but I guess his mom died. But I guess the the big uh, issue in that movie is like this. My, my, my new stepmom. I don't like her that much. It's like, yeah, that's like every kid with a new step parent. Get over it, loser.
0: <laughs> Miyazaki used to interrogate class a lot more in his films, as opposed to *Boy in the Heron*. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, sorry, no, sorry think, to
1: hijack your uh, movie descriptions here.
0: No, no. Well, also *Godzilla* minus uh, one. Listen to our *Millennium Actress* podcast too. And obviously, look, I know. Who am I as an American to tell Japanese people how they should interrogate their c- country's history and wars when we are a horrible imperial power who makes all these movies about how it was so sad that we had to kill all these people in Vietnam? i like, that's fucked up of us. I know. But Millennium Actress, I think that dealt much more well with um, with reflecting on Japan's actions in World War II the The representation of the spirit of Imperial Japan is this in Millennium Actress is this broken, uh, penitent, sad man who he's like it's he's full of regret that they even were this way, and I feel minus one doesn't deal with that as much. It is just more about survivor's guilt of of a soldier.
1: Yeah, I feel like we are going to see it. They they are uh, extending the run of that movie now into January, and I feel like that'll that's the motivation for us to see it when it comes here.
0: And also, it led to very bad discourse because uh, <laughs> the publicly announced budget of it is fourteen million dollars, and people are like, "That's a tenth of what the Marvels did." And look at this, and I, I'm just like, "One, I'm sorry. I love the special effects in Godzilla minus one. They are not comparable to the Godzilla versus Kong, as in like depth and." uh godzilla minus one can't do nothing that godzilla versus kong does from a vfx standpoint secondly you do not want to mirror the way that animation companies work in japan the reasons it's so cheap is not because everybody's paid uh everybody takes a pay they uh pay wage they like
1: yeah and also how much of that marvel budget is just sheer corporate waste that goes to nothing
0: yeah yeah but uh on a completely different note i also watched uh merry little batman because we were in the mood to watch a light uh christmasy thing that was new so we put that on in the background it is uh one of something it could have been on max and instead they put it on prime
1: <laughs> very weird yeah yeah i mean i don't even know what's happening with max i haven't had access to it in months it was God. the home of frankly too many batman things
0: and while this one now isn't on there anymore or, or never went there. So it's uh, it's called Merry Little Batman, which is uh, Batman is a big friendly dad now. And it's about he goes out of town and it starts as a home alone thing with his child, Damian Wayne uh, and Batman's voice by Luke Wilson. And oh, weird. Uh, yes, it's uh, it's it's all right. It's a good it's a good little time if you're looking for a nice new thing. Uh, that's uh, that is Batman related for the holidays you could do worse and also watch the One Piece movie Baron Omatsuri and the Secret Island which was only uh, it's great it's amazing animation but I also loved watching it because it was uh, Mamoru Hosoda's reaction to having trying to work in Ghibli and like this Mm. the shit that happens to them on the island I think it's his reaction to uh, working for Miyazaki. <laughs> that's that's like the
1: one One Piece movie I've seen. And it's really good because it feels like he was just allowed to do whatever he wanted, including changing the way the characters look. It's it's more in his distinctive style. And I have to credit Maddie for showing me the movie when we hung out in uh, Portland a number of years ago uh, because it still has not been officially released in any capacity.
0: Because it isn't real. Or, I mean, it doesn't. It, it breaks. I've read enough One Piece now that I do actually watching it go like, Oh, man, well, you shouldn't do that. But whatever. I still it's still really great. I
1: I also feel like the rights for all the older movies are uh, complicated because, I mean, now that there is an American fan base, they are releasing the movies, you know, somewhat soon after they're out in Japan. But there's, I don't know, a dozen other movies that just never came out here because there just wasn't the support the mm-hmm. movies needed to justify their release here.
0: Oh, and one piece check in, I'm at volu- I'm in chapter seven hundred, aka volume seventy one right now. Ooh, so. I'm i only on I've only read
1: forty five of the comic books. <laughs> uh, which which arc is this?
0: Uh Dress Rosa is just mm. about to start. That's I just I know that one, punk hazard.
1: It takes a very long time from what I've heard, so uh, Yeah. Yeah. Buckle your seatbelt.
0: <laughs> Uh, though I'm, I want to get per- current just so I can watch that Red movie that everybody's saying is so good. Like, mm, uh, yeah,
1: yeah. I was seeing a lot of stuff. I mean, it, I think it had stopped playing in Japan by that point, or maybe not. I just, I saw a lot of One Piece Red stuff while I was there. You probably will too.
0: And uh, you, you know, also, I one thing I didn't like in that uh, Baron Matsuri thing was the sub. <laughs> it was such a fan sub because. Every time they said Nakama, they just wrote Nakama. Oh,
1: yeah. Was there a big footnote before the movie started? No. Here's why we use Nakama. It doesn't mean friend or comrade. It actually means something quite different. And then there's eight more paragraphs.
0: I wish it did have a full thing of that on screen, but no. I think it was so weebish that they are just like, (laughs) we don't even have to explain Nakama. You know what Nakama means. (laughs) Hey, I mean,
1: thanks for the free translation, but uh, let's tone it down a little bit. So Uh, that's... oh, Oh, go ahead.
0: Sorry. Lastly... Because you'll hear this in next month's Futurama. I now have right. seen all the new season of Futurama. So.
1: <laughs> and the last two aren't that good. Uh, in fact, no. the second to last one is that really weird one. I think I mentioned on some one of the thousand podcasts we released this year where it's a treehouse of horror. But the stories are, what if the cast uh, cons- were made up of these? Sorry, let me do that again. The, the stories are, what if the cast were one of three kinds of antiquated toys? Mm-hmm. And the stories they tell are not interesting, and I don't know where that idea came from or why they executed upon it. It just seems inexplicable. Were there not enough ideas for a new Futurama
0: season? I guess they wanted to do. You know, we we haven't explored neither of us enough of the Comedy Central years, but in Comedy Central they did do more sort of anthology of interest. So because the, they did the one with the animation styles, I remember. Right. So it I mean, I get been... the I
1: get the format, but the the choice of subject matter seems so odd to me. Yeah.
0: Well, and then, especially because the next episode also is a high-concept one that uh, deals with a lot, like, one of the key components is basically pixel versions of the characters for a bit of it, so you're also dabbling in different character animation. Very
1: easy-to-animate pixel versions of the characters. It's not like NES. It's basically, they are, what, four pixels each?
0: Yes, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Minecraft has many more pixels to them. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I but I, I did... I liked more than I thought the Zap gets canceled episode. It's it's predictable. Everybody's like, oh man, if Zap were alive today, he'd be canceled, be for all of the things he does. But I at least like that they keyed it into Kiff being the canceler because he's like, yes, yeah, everything that uh that that zap does to him is sexual harassment of some kind it
1: was uh, i will say that uh I, I would give that season maybe like a b minus uh and i'm hoping they do a little better next time but i will say in the future 2024 maybe we'll visit one of those episodes on talking futurama who knows
0: there are some really good ones in it it's a good and yeah i i, I feel promise for the future as opposed to how i felt at the end of say bender's game
1: Mm-hmm. yes uh yeah i guess at some point we gotta talk about those movies we'll figure it out we'll figure it out folks yeah. and so be in
0: tokyo very soon and so next episode you'll be hearing my tokyo tales as well yes
1: and we promised to keep the white guy in japan stories uh limited about 20 minutes right
0: sure sure yeah
1: <laughs> that that's what i kept mine too so let's move on to questions and comments on the latest round of episodes so first we have uh mr plow and uh, Wood Duck says, Having rewatched Mr. Plow in preparation for this episode, I decided I needed to see Sorcerer. Watched it with my old man who amazingly hadn't seen it when it's absolutely the type of boomer dad film he would have had me watch with him at some point as a teenager. A grimy, sweaty look at human desperation and colonial exploitation. Uh, and this is Bob speaking, I need to revisit Sorcerer. Perhaps not right after I watched The Wages of Fear. In fact, I, I had another Wages of Fear rewatch planned, but the DVD came to the library the day before I left for Japan, so I had to <laughs> abandon it. But uh, I will, I mean, I, I last saw Sorcerer in like 2007. I think I've aged into an old enough man to appreciate what's going on there. But I know, Henry, you and Will were big Sorcerer heads.
0: Yeah, though not to the expense of Wages of Fear. And it sounds like a great, it does sound like a great one to watch with a dad or a father figure in your life too. Like it. It's funny to learn from uh, Wood Duck that they had never watched it. Uh, their father didn't even see it when it was new, though. Maybe... Maybe their father was also like all the people back in 77 when it came out who thought, oh, it's from the Exorcist guy and it's called Sorcerer. It must be like a magic thing. Instead, it's guys in trucks.
1: Terrible, terrible name.
0: (laughs) Uh, Joe Hodgson on Mr. Plow says, I, too, have those Mr. Plow sneakers Henry is in possession of. They were a Christmas present from my wife and they are my special occasion shoes, which would sound ridiculous to any audience that is isn't this one. I also got the standard blue Bart shoes with a discount, which have been my everyday shoes since, and they are super beat up at this point and not particularly comfortable, but I just can't bring myself to throw them away.
1: Hmm. You know, we we were gifted some very nice shoes by, uh, who made those shoes? Vans. Vans, yes. I uh, I got two pairs of normal shoes in the, um, the flip-flops basically. And I, I've worn the the two pairs of uh, special nicer shoes occasionally. I think maybe to one live show, but the the flip flops get constant use when I go uh, take out the garbage or when I go uh, do things within the apartment or condo building. So I have to say those are really holding up.
0: Yeah, yeah. My I also I did throw away my bar shoes out of uh, pure use, but yes, my my uh, Simpsons uh, donut pink donut slippers are still. Near the door because anytime it's like, oh, man, the delivery just got here and I got to get I, I slip them on real fast and run down and, and get them. So, yeah, they they get a, a whole lot of use. I liked hearing from uh, Joe that they also have their pristine Mr. Plow shoes they save for very special occasions, just like <laughs> me. Maybe you'll see me wear them at that live show on Wednesday, January 24th. Finally,
1: shoes nice enough to be buried in. Uh, so moving on to Barting Over, uh, David and Waffle says, As a childless person with no parental bias, but has done a lot of happy uncleing, I can say that baby stink breath is an essential product. Do not believe any parental propaganda. Baby's breath is generally a mix of sour milk, barf, and whatever awful goop they just ate and then barfed. Whomever named that plant had to be doing it satirically. I guess I just never got close enough to a baby's mouth. This is Bob speaking. Like I said, I... I I think I said on a recent podcast, I held a baby once in my life and I was 14, Mm. and I thought, not for me, moving on. So my nose has not been close to the the baby head opening to understand (laughs) the real meaning of baby stink breath.
0: I appreciate a similarly childless person who at least has more uh, uncle experience than us uh, holding a baby. I think I'll... If I ever have the opportunity, I still don't think I'll smell a baby's breath all that closely in, <laughs> in any time in the near future.
1: It's got to be a baby you know.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. My nephew and my niece were born. Uh, well, my nephew was born and and I had just like just moved away to the west, and then my niece was born while I was living out here. So I never got a chance to smell their mouth holes. Mm, just man, never yeah. got around to it.
0: <laughs> You're gonna have to hope you become a, a an uncle with a th- for a third baby at some point. That needs. Uh, a-
1: I don't think that's on the agenda, but we'll see.
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, so Andrew Giacchetti also says about that episode, I wanted to give my theory on the whole puppy goo goo discussion. I think Millhouse does, in fact, have two dogs as a child of divorce, one fake, one real. And perhaps the fake one is with his father, who we saw earlier in the episode, can't have pets at his sad apartment, and the real one is with his mom, Perhaps because of Milhouse's proclivities, he simply calls both Puppy Goo Goo. I buy this
1: headcanon completely. Uh, mm-hmm. so the real puppy goo goo with mom, the fake one with dad, <laughs> and that way Milhouse can have the puppy goo goo fetch him a dream wherever he is.
0: The the real puppy goo goo could not live with Kirk Van Houten. He would he would starve pretty soon.
1: <laughs> yeah, he cannot be trusted with that thing. So yeah, thank you, Andrew. I I, I totally love this lore you've built for puppy goo goo. Mm-hmm. Um And we have Lisa's first word next, and Fry's jacket says, Bart swinging on the clothesline reminds me of the best level and the best NES game. Virtual Bart, of course. And this is Bob. Fry's jacket, I know you're being sarcastic. Here's the thing. We had uh, David Sims on the podcast, right? And we love David Sims, we love the Blank Check podcast, we feel very lucky to get him on the show. We're also trying to get him on the show for months, but he's a very busy guy, you understand. He's got a full-time job, a new kid, and the very long podcast he put out with Griffin. So... When the scene is happening with Bart swinging on the clothesline, I'm thinking, this is the perfect time for me to talk about virtual Bart. But then I see that we have David Sims in a little video window, and I think, do I really want to waste David's time by talking about virtual Bart? So I chose not to. But just so you know, Fry's Jacket, I was personally interested in launching that reference on him, but I didn't want to anger uh, David Sims.
0: <laughs> he, We have to get closer to him and do more uh, time with him to do... To be trusted with big divergences like he like Griffin does every episode of Blank Check with him.
1: Yes, we uh, we need to get to know him better before we start talking about uh, virtual Bart levels. So yes, yeah. Uh, I, believe me, I was thinking about it.
0: I I had totally forgotten that when I saw Fry's Jacket's comment, I was like, ah, oh, crap! Right, this this is a stage in it. But I guess you know we've we've missed a few in virtual Bart that are like, oh, this is like that. But uh, but but thank you, Fry's Jacket. Matt says on that episode, I cannot recall if it was Bob or Henry who stated that the houseboat that Captain McAllister was selling had no defects i disagree the sea captain stated check out to the galley that's real shag carpeting and that is the biggest red flag for buying a home ever having a kitchen that has a carpet and not some sort of hardwood flooring is just asking for trouble for those liquids smells stains etc end up in shag carpeting instead of just being able to be easily cleaned sounds like an absolute nightmare yuck that the only thing worse
1: is a carpeted bathroom why don't I just stand in the toilet? That's that's what I'm asking <laughs> yes. you people with a carpeted bathroom.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I've never, in none of the places I have lived in, have had a carpeted kitchen or bathroom. They've all Me been too. very, very clean.
1: It sounds awful. Thank yeah. you for pointing that out. Uh, who was that, Matt? <laughs> Thank you, Matt, for pointing yes. that out.
0: So So real shag carpeting. Despite him trying to sell it, is actually an extra joke in that scene of him failing to sell something that actually sucks. That I'll, I guess would be even worse on a houseboat where water is everywhere.
1: Yeah, it's going to get musty on that houseboat. Uh, so, moving on to our What a Cartoon episode for December, uh, it was the TV Funhouse episode Christmas Day. And Mark says, Super glad you guys did this episode. I love the show in its time and was a huge fan as a preteen of this subversive comedy era. This, Strangers with Candy, or soon after, That's My Bush, which I'm unsure if it's worth going back to, were wonderful to me. Also mentioning the Mexico Day episode made me so happy because I have had in my head a love for over 20 years now. That close up on the line, I like pita. I don't even think I had pita before this, but it made me try a restaurant called Eat a Pita and I became a fan. So... Uh, hey, yes, it's spreading PETA awareness and laughter. It's too bad TV Funhouse could only live for eight episodes. And actually, Henry, I know you watched all of them uh, for the podcast. I only watched a few, but I've been watching all of them with Nina. And what I find fascinating about TV Funhouse is there is continuity in those eight episodes. Oh
0: yes, <laughs> that's true. But
1: between the characters, like Foggy's uh, not, eating, not eating his own poop saga goes on there, and I, I was just surprised. Chicky's I guess family? they were. Exactly. They're making them so close together that they couldn't help reference other episodes. But yeah, there's there's like a a, a timeline. There's a there's a chronology in that series that I didn't realize when I saw it uh, back 23 years ago.
0: If you watch the sauna episode now, uh, it's a perfect time because it's them doing their New Year's resolutions. So it's uh, I I love that close up shot of uh, him saying, I like PETA. I like. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Uh, And hey, Robert Goulet
1: uh having rewatched that episode again the 2 party with him man he he'll just do anything he's so great uh, r.i.p of course
0: it's also great on the commentary they talk about how they got him was calling his manager directly and his manager is his wife who is named vera so right. the joke is true <laughs> i just love him talking to these crappy to these crappy puppets it's just so charming And uh, also on that episode, Blake says, this was great. I had only ever heard of TV Funhouse in the SNL shorts and had no idea this iteration of the show existed. I had to look it up midway through the podcast and order the DVD, which Amazon says stock is running low. So that must be the Talking Simpsons effect for a reasonable $12. It has shades of Saturday morning all-star hits, another send up of the distinct era of kids TV that I couldn't get enough of everything about that tingles the christmas tension segment hit way too close to home i was all over christmas as a kid and it was my favorite time of the year now i'm an adult with bills to pay on top of dealing with the well who do we spend it with this year on the in-laws front and that never seemed to make anyone happy for me december 1st now means oh this again damn that tingles uh th- another another uh, fan of tv funhouse it's great i like
1: we weren't sure if anyone had really heard about it or watched it we just knew that we liked it a lot and our listeners would like it so so people really came out for it.
0: Yeah, I really like seeing uh several comments like this one that said, you know, "Oh, I thought you were going to talk about the SNL scenes. I didn't even know it had its own series." So, thanks for showing me this and I and yeah, that to hear to hear the Tingle's our favorite scene uh touched all these people especially it was great. I I'd also say very unhelpfully for my research purposes, a week after we released the episode, That is when the Museum of Television History released, no joke, nine hour full interview with Robert Smigel about his entire career. He talks about the TV Funhouse uh, process for an hour full. Like it's it's nuts. So that's going to be a holiday. Listen while I play some video games, I think. It's it's perfect background stuff. I learned I learned extra bits. There wasn't anything that made me the, the only thing I wish I had known before was he gives extra details on the pilot they did, which was hosted by a clown and not Doug. Hmm. Uh, it was much more of a direct Bob Bell Bozo uh, parody than just uh, the what Doug Dale is in the show.
1: Oh cool. Can't wait to hear that. Uh, so who put that online? The Museum of T V and Radio or something? Yeah,
0: yeah. The well okay. whatever is the Emmy one. They the ones who do yeah. the very in-depth like like okay, yeah, we think you might die soon. Let's talk about everything <laughs> kind of He's not he's only sixty three. No, I know. I, I guess <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean anything could happen. Got to gotta sit him down and, and go over his career. So let's move on to what a cartoon movie. The Muppet Christmas Carol and Harry says As a younger British millennial, I can distinctly remember seeing this as a child, perhaps as part of some weird rite of passage for English kids. Marley and Marley never scared me, but the ghost of Christmas past sure as hell did. My stupid child brain couldn't work out whether she was a Muppet herself or a real, strangely diaphanous child. However, like all English people, I am a glutton for punishment, and so child me trained myself to watch the film over and over until it no longer scared me, and I now consider it a holiday classic. On a side note, I visited Dickens Childhood Home in Portsmouth several times, not too far from where I live, and was disappointed to find out no mention of the Muppets in any of the historic information in the museum. My friend decided to rage against the system and ended up leaving a tiny plush kermit in one of the rooms. I'm sure it didn't confuse any of the geriatric visitors who usually frequented the place. Uh, so yes. Uh, I, I mean, I guess I have to assume there's just been so many adaptations that they can't credit all of them. But mm-hmm. uh, like, play to your audience. Everyone coming to the Dickens house has Kermit on the brain. And they think <laughs> Dickens is Gonzo.
0: I would guess the the silver-haired pensioners who go in there, and uh, they, they even they would regard the Muppet Show as like uh, tomfoolery of the highest order. <laughs> not, Ho- not, hogwash. Regarding. Yeah, hogwash. <laughs> or, or ba or humbug. They re- see it as mere humbug they're still uh, saying it <laughs> i always wonder what yeah again we 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 talk about it with the muppet thing all the time that it was such like a an americans in england production that i i always love hearing from uh, british millennials how the muppets touched them in similar yet slightly different ways from how americans felt like we see it as as americans they see it as as brits and they're seeing americans who mostly americans who made things in england Uh, and steve says and i appreciate this comment because it's gonna let me sing Uh, oh no uh steve says about the same movie one observation i just have to share is the repeated musical motif of the christmas carol good king Wenceslas. It's part of the overture, and more pointedly, it's the carol Bean Bunny is singing when Scrooge chucks a wreath at him. If you're not familiar, it's a story about a kind king who sees a poor man freezing in the snow on the Feast of Stevens, which is December 26, and immediately goes to provide him with warmth and food. The song concludes therefore Christian men be sure rank or wealth possessing ye who now will bless the poor shall yourselves find blessing the perfect carol to reference because at different points in the story it shows contrast with Scrooge's treatment of the poor and by the end it's a direct parallel to the new changed Scrooge. Yeah, I guess I
1: didn't flag that because I knew the the melody, but I didn't like know the lyrics offhand. So that's a good pull. It wasn't just thrown in there, like, oh, here's another Christmas thing for you.
0: <laughs> I I really like that. it It is a good uh, it is a good old timey carol. I was just getting into the old carol of the Holly and the Ivy. I love that. <laughs> that. That though it's it is a very British carol in that it's like the Holly and the Ivy. Well, first they rhyme groan with crown. When it mm-hmm. is fully grown, it wears the crown. And then second, the then everything is just a simile like, you know, its bark is very bitter. Much like how Mary had to bitterly hold the baby or oh. bear or to the baby. Got
1: to bring him into this. I mean, without that song, we wouldn't have Harley Quinn and uh, Poison Ivy getting together either, right? That's right. <laughs> That's where it all yeah. comes from.
0: That was the name of the segment in Holiday Nights, which, hey, if you're in the holiday spirit, listen to that one. We covered mm-hmm. a couple years ago now. In, yeah, uh, I think it
1: was 2021, maybe. Uh, it's in so. the archives. Mm-hmm. So moving on to Talking Futurama, absolutely fabulous. And Riley Jessett says, on the etymology of the term snowflake, uh, and I wanted to point out Bob here, there was a discussion As to whether or not Fight Club popularized the term or invented the term. But uh, uh, Riley included this uh, link to the Merriam-Webster website. And uh, there's a very long article about, like, did Fight Club invent the term snowflake? And it just shows throughout time how many different ways it's been used. And uh, I pulled out a quote here. uh, In Missouri in the early 1860s, a snowflake was a person who was opposed to the abolition of slavery. The implication of the name being that such people valued white people over black people. The snowflakes hoped slavery would survive the country's civil war and were contrasted with two other groups. And then uh, Riley goes on to say uh, TLDR. It funnily enough was a term used by abolitionists to describe defenders of enslavement in America.
0: So back then, a snowflake meant you wanted to keep uh, slavery around. Wow, that's uh, <laughs> that's funny.
1: And then I saw uh, it had similar uses in the seventies, like a, a, a snowflake was considered like a white person who wanted to be black. Hmm. So interesting. just various different uses of how well, like what a snowflake was throughout time.
0: Wow, man. I guess then the our use of snowflake still or the our use, the, but the modern one. Uh, still goes back to the idea of like as a ironic attack on the term being used to like aren't we all special we're all special little snowflakes and they use that in a derogatory way to like as a rejection of uh, that kind of liberal touchy feeling and everything
1: yeah I guess we have to find the first use of the sincere use of snowflake meaning unique but uh, that's someone else's job the dictionary it makes me think
0: people. it's an after school special or something yeah <laughs> Uh, Speaking of people not knowing where things come from, uh, Rubbercat says on the same episode, love the digression about fan wikis and how people have such small frames of reference. I've encountered someone who I guess has never heard of It's a Wonderful Life and thinks the plot originates from a fairly odd parents episode.
1: We We have gotten to that point in our lives where we're now old enough to remember things that happened before people that are online were born. And so you often have that. where like, oh, that must be a reference to X. It's like, well, no, X is a reference to Y, which happened 20 years ago, 20 years before that.
0: <laughs> I mean, we we did it to people. We were the cause of that when we were young and saying like, oh, this is a reference to that Simpsons episode. And then someone will say, well, no, this that Simpsons episode was referencing Godfather or Twilight Zone or Psycho or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or like a lot of people who will make connections like, well, the similar thing
1: happened in this movie, ergo, it is a reference when you're like, oh, they just had the same idea. Otherwise, it would have the reference would have been spelled out more, I think.
0: I do wish uh, yeah, I do wish fan wikis some people who ran them who I think uh, a lot, I appreciate their their help. Uh, they It helps a lot in research uh, sometimes, especially for like dates or ratings or whatever. But. The references pages on a lot of fan wikis are just not all that helpful sometimes because they just are like, I think the reason it came up was on the Futurama. You mentioned how it says it's like, this is like five different episodes of Star Trek. It's like, well, because it's just, it's just a trope in sci-fi. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They they were, they were really reaching at times, but uh, yes, fan wikis uh, try harder. It's our challenge to you for 2024. So moving on to talking of the Hill, the wedding of Bobby Hill, Blake says former Texan chiming in that Luann sadly would have had better access and chances of getting an abortion within the state in 1999 versus 2023. It wasn't a walk in the park, but the means were there compared to the recent events surrounding Kate Cox, where a woman had to outright flee the state to save her own life. Almost all of the current let's own the libs politicians like Abbott, Cruz, Paxton, etc. were put into place in the 2010s elections, and I do not see them being removed of their power anytime soon. Uh, And yes, uh, the reality is bleak and depressing. And it's weird to think of how backwards we've gone from even 1999. Uh, And I remember having the naive thought as a child, like, oh, everything just gets better. Right. And it turns out that's not true.
0: No, it's very it's very depressing as we face another election year coming up. But I uh, especially yes, I hate I it was sad to be reminded of this in the comments because in the episode I, I mentioned how that. In the theoretical pregnancy or in the fake pregnancy, Luann is having for prank purposes in the episode. Nobody says, "Well, just get an abortion," because you would never say that in the Hill family. Like that is not an option. But that was more because, like, uh, you know, you would not do that because of your faith or whatever. Not because you would. You literally uh, legally cannot do it, and. That's, uh, yeah, it's a fucked up thing to be continually reminded of in this awful, awful country. Yeah,
1: yeah. I just, uh, I see news coming out of where I used to live in Ohio and thinking, oh, God,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> everything is getting worse. When, of course, you know, it's not, it. it's illegal if you're poor. Like, you can go. Oh, yeah. You, yeah. You can everything go to is, another state easy.
1: Yes. I guess I guess nothing is truly illegal once you hit a certain income bracket. Some Some kinds of murder, but only if you're really bad at it.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah if you if you really suck at murder and uh, even a lawyer can't do much for you there but a certain murder you probably can't get away with if Mm -hmm. you're that rich yeah and probably do all the time absolutely uh and we have one final comment (laughs) yes uh a happier note here lance (laughs) says AJ was definitely a low-tier guy in Rad's group. Since he's one of the guys Luann said she had sex with before getting re-virginized, so she probably slept with him as revenge after breaking up with Rad Thibodeoxis. Oh, hey, nice continuity in King of the Hill.
1: I forgot about that joke in uh, Luann 2.0, Luann Virgin 2.0.
0: I'm really looking forward to that one uh, when we finally do it again because I love that it... It is such a, the opposite of uh, most messages about young people having sex in uh, in American TV shows, and then also, I love Peggy's story about the gay man she had sex with. It's a really funny story. So
1: very, very gay.
0: <laughs> Tossed aside all the pillows on his bed.
1: Decorative throw pillows.
0: Yes, yeah. Uh, but, but yes, they, uh, we. I look forward to the continuing tales of AJ. We're going to get as we go through the series. Mm-hmm. And yes, this has been, once again, our final recording
1: of the year, 2023. Oh, I interrupted myself. Sorry, 2023. There we go. Uh, and like like we said earlier, we have all of January recorded. It's been a very long month and a very long year. And we thank you for sticking with us as we both have gone through several big life changes, uh, a few very, very long delayed vacations with our spouses. Uh, but we managed to keep up. We're very tired. We can't wait to take a week off. Henry can't wait to go on his vacation. And we can't wait to see all of you again in 2024. It's going to be great. And expect what you've expected the past uh, almost seven years of this Patreon. And the last almost 10 years of this podcast.
0: Yeah, 2023 was a year that we had been looking forward to for such a long time. And it's been really great how all of you listeners have supported us through this whole thing and as things become normal again i'm or are normal we appreciate you guys just as much for hanging on with us and i hope you guys enjoy hearing the full incredibles podcast next week in in this place whether you're on the free feed or on uh the patreon and i can't wait for 2024 it's going to be quite an exciting year i am sure thanks again to all of you listeners for an amazing 2023 and we'll see you again next month in
1: 2024 for the next episode of talk to the audience we'll see you then
0: infotainment
1: uh and like like we said earlier we have all of january recorded it's been a very long month and a very long year and we thank you for sticking with us as we both have gone through (coughs) sorry i didn't mean to kill you Several big life changes, uh, a few very, very long delayed vacations with our spouses, uh, but we managed to keep up. We're very tired. We can't wait to take a week off. Henry can't wait to go on his vacation, and we can't wait to see all of you again in 2024. It's going to be great, and uh, expect what you've expected the past uh, almost seven years of this Patreon, and the last almost ten years of this podcast.
0: It's been... <clears throat> you made me laugh too much. Okay, <clears> hmm <throat> Yeah, 2023 was a year that we had been looking forward to for such a long time. Fuck, my voice is still scratchy. Damn it. Okay, for real this time, sorry. Should old acquaintance
1: be forgotten?